A few years ago, the supermarket in Italy printed a Bible. I shouldn't say they printed it, but they put it out for sale for $1.50. Can you imagine that? God's Holy Scripture available in this grocery store for $1.50. That is a huge treasure. I think they should have charged $150 for it because it's worth it. And if you haven't paid enough for your Bible, pay some more. Uh, it's great to see that uh, Ellie had a Bible that was uh, a good cover on it, right? It survived 30 years of constant use, so that's great. But uh, we have that book, the book that talks a lot about God and a lot about us, right? It shows us who God is and shows us who man is. And as we go through that, those are super important lessons. It hasn't changed a bit. We can read stories from Genesis about some individuals, and it's still as relevant as, uh, to us. You know, man is so much the same, and so is God. And so we have such a blessing to be able to look at that. Um, Daniel, Daniel chapter 9 is our passage today, and you can look that up if you want. And in this, I'm going to read the first three verses of Daniel chapter 9, because we see something about this special character. It says, in the first year of Darius, who was ruler over Babylon, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the devastation of Jerusalem would last 70 years he understood something, and so I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and petition. Daniel had such a concern for the people of God, such a concern for God's plan, that he was moved to prayer and pleading, Lord, help us, help us now. The prophecies are indicating the time. Help us, we pray. And I would like to pray now that God would help us as we look at this passage. Lord in heaven, we do come to you thanking you for the Bible that is accessible to us. We've been able to have access directly to scriptures, the sacred scriptures, um, and it's easy for us to find it. It's easy for us to look up a verse. It's easy for us to turn to Genesis or Daniel or Ephesians, and it's all there, and we're so thankful for that. I just ask that you would speak through this word today so that our hearts would be changed and we would be your people drawn to worship you always pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we have concern for people, we're concerned for the people in Italy, and you are too, whether you actively think about that or not, by supporting missions in Italy. We are concerned of getting the gospel, this information, into people's hearts so they can understand uh, a verse. Bob, you read a, a verse, you know, the key verse of the Reformation, salvation by grace alone. That is a huge message in, that we proclaim in Italy because that is not the formula that they're used to. Their formula is used to, so yeah, Jesus dead on the cross, as they've seen in artwork everywhere, crucifixion pictures, very few resurrection pictures in the art of Italy. So he's dead on the cross, so that oh, suffering was caused by your sins. There's a little guilt going on there. And then you must work hard to please God through sacraments, and then when you die, you'll go to purgatory for 500 years or so, which is the equivalent of hell. And then finally, you'll be ushered in the kingdom of heaven. That's the formula that the Italians receive and get from their culture. Grace alone is amazing. I am not worthy, but Christ was worthy on my behalf. What an amazing message. And we try to share that, and we bring that forth. And so... As we work in the churches, uh, we're excited about this gathering today, the gathering of people, you know, don't forsake the gathering, the regular gathering, and what you're doing is very honoring to God. We have a little girl in our church 
who's four and somehow has got this culture to mind, and she says, I'm so glad to come to the assembly today. Like she's like using big words, like, like kids don't talk that way, but she has that. And she's uh, able to express, this is important to God. Your gathering is important. So I am thankful to be here with you, with, uh, with you uh, today. Um, some of the things that we've had experienced the last couple of years that was really a big deal is the Billy Graham Association came to Milan, um, asked us to be involved. Our whole family was involved as we mobilized and invited churches to invite friends to come. And so we had a gathering last November, last October, uh, that was super fun. 13,000 people gathered in the sports stadium, and the gospel was preached, and his name was praised. So there is blessing in that, and we look forward to that. So Daniel is praying for a gathering. May his people gather again in Jerusalem, is what Daniel's prayer is. Mike, I would like to have you come forward and read for us Daniel's prayer. He's fast, too, right? So we want to dedicate time right now to listen to 19 verses. So we're reading from uh, the prayer of Daniel, verse 4 to verse 19. O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands, we have sinned and done wrong. We've been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The men of Judah and people of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us, because of our unfaithfulness to you. O Lord, we and our kings, our princes, and our fathers are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing upon us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what had been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, Yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does. Yet we have not obeyed him. Now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned. We have done wrong. O Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our fathers have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those round us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. 
For your sake, O Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make request of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, listen. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hear and act. For your sake, O my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Daniel is saying three things here. He's saying God is great, God is righteous, and God is redemptive. God is great. It's very important as we view what Scripture has to say to us, that we view it from His perspective. So often we read things and we think about God in relationship to me. I believe in God because He helped me in this situation or that situation, we might think. Wouldn't it be amazing if we just say, no matter what my life circumstances, I see God as magnificent. We sing, let Christ be magnified. He is the greatest that ever was and will be. I am very little. I'm very small in this whole picture. And so Daniel just prays, oh Lord, the great and awesome God. This is Daniel, a captive prisoner. Daniel's story that you've just studied, he was stolen from his home as his home was being destroyed. Great and awesome, an eternal fact. If we can live our lives in a way where that is the solid paramount foundation of what you think and believe about life, no matter what happens to you, that won't change. That is what it means to build your life on a rock. God is good. We've had a blessing to have some babies born in our church in Italy, and it's fun to see them. Um, I just spoke to Bob. Bob just has a new baby in his family, right? He's going to go down and hold an infant. You know, what a miracle. Little things, little humans are like the same thing as us, but really short. And to see them grow is so, super fun. And so we have a few knee-high kids in our church walking around. And it's fun to see this uh, other kids interact with each other, and they look at each other in a certain way, and they have a marvelous sense of life as they explore and discover. God is great that he makes life go on. God is great in Italy because we have the Alps. Um, I've always enjoyed mountain climbing, and mountain climbing is super fun. The Alps are right there. And on a clear day, I can climb onto my rooftop, so it's not exactly... uh, sanctified viewing deck, but I get on my roof and I can see a mountain that's 15,000 feet tall. And I see that. Oh, it rises up so high. What amazing things. From a really low valley, the mountain shoots straight up to the sky as if to say, look up, look up. God is good. God is big. And those are around us in Italy. And we see that. And because of that, we have glaciers and the glaciers percolate the water into the soil. And then our area is a large, flat basin, the Great Plains of Italy. It's not quite as big as Nebraska. But through that, the water comes down, and we dig wells in our yard about nine feet deep and find water, you know, and delicious water. One time, our sump pump broke, and um, we went in the basement, and I think we have a refrigerator down there, and I think Max ran down there, and he stepped into knee-deep water in our basement. I was like, whoa, what's this? The water was so high that it was squirting through, the water table was so high, it just squirted through the cracks in our foundation. And I put a cup to it, 
and drank it. Crystal clear water. What a blessing. God provides for the world through the water cycle. And has he done it this year? Yeah. We got a lot of water cycle happening yesterday. And then he's done it forever. Are you worried that he won't do it in the future? We just went through an 18-month drought in Italy. A lot of people started talking. You know, wow, what's happening? In fact, our water table went way down. Our yard turned straw brown. And we will there be water. Our table, our lakes went down. Our rivers went down. You wonder, well, is God faithful? Of course you don't wonder that. Of course the water table works. It has to work. The way he designed the world is so great. It works forever. And in May, all the water came back. And now we have water everywhere in Italy again. And uh, God proves it. God proves it. God gives us love. God is so great that he puts love in our hearts. Do you love somebody? Oh, it's a nice thing, isn't it? It's a nice to be loved. Yes. We have a new woman that's come to our church. Her name is Letizia, which means uh, happiness a little bit, you know, if you translate that. She's a woman that is just navigating through life. She's a social worker. Social workers pray for social workers. They face all the difficult family situations that you don't want to hear about. And she does that on a regular basis, trying to help people out. And she took some time off to go explore the world. And I can imagine, you know, like, I can hardly take this anymore. I'm just going. So she's like, did the hippie lifestyle in South America. Who's ever done that? You know, wandering around. But while she's there, God speaks to her and she finds Jesus. She finds Jesus, knows nothing about church life, nothing about community, nothing about these kind of things. Finds Jesus, walks in through her, then comes back to our town, walks around and sees a sign. Oh, there's a church here, Christians, and shows up. Of course, when you show up, I don't know if you've got guests that come here. The first time you walk into a church, it's like, okay, I'll just go. I'll come late, just in time for the service. And right after the service, I'm going to leave real fast. You know, I kind of, we get that experience sometimes. And you try to make friends. Hi, Alexa. Bye. Out they go. But Letizia has slowly stayed around. A year after her first visit, she's dear friends. And she starts helping us with our kids program. And she starts inviting her mother to church, you know, and like a non-believing, like a scientific kind of mother. And, uh, and then she says, oh, I can't be here this Sunday, but I, I, I want to come back because this is my family. It's remarkable that God creates structures through the church where love can be shown. It's an eternal fact. I hope you can pray a prayer similar to Daniel about all experiences in your life. Oh God, great and awesome God, that your heart may sing, bless the Lord, O my soul. Let everything within me bless his holy name. Daniel shows us that, and I want to say, live that way, because life isn't any better than that. The Lord is righteous. This is another wonderful thing. God is right in what he does. If you've ever interacted with people on spiritual levels, which I hope you do, you might find a common objection. How can God be good when? And then there's something that happens. And we'll list all the things you've heard already, right? We're a certain age. I'm a certain age now. I've heard it all. Every, every grandmother worries because they've heard of some baby that fell out of a shopping cart and got hurt, right? You know, you've heard, heard all the possible bad things that can happen. They do happen. Things have happened. And someone will say, how can God be right when those things happen? And especially if it happens to me personally, you think about that. But Daniel's saying, no, God is right in everything he does. Right is a nice thing. 
we like to see something good. You know, I hope we can be happy for the baby born or for the marriage that happens. We want to be happy. Even um, my friends that I play soccer with, you know, I've joined this group of guys that, um, unholy soccer players, we'll call them, you know. We play soccer, and we can actually have a moment when we get scored against. But we'll actually say, oh man, that was a really good play those guys did. There's appreciation for something that's right. And I think as we share about God, God's righteousness is a very valuable thing. Um, We might have all gone through negative moments in life. And sometimes I've consoled myself with a simple fact. At least God is good. You know, that's the basis of Daniel to say, Troubles have come to the people of Israel. They've been ruined. They've been taken away. But God is righteous in all that he does. God fulfills his word. Um, When we look at Daniel, he's reading scripture. He's reading from Jeremiah. Where do you find Jeremiah today? On your cell phone, on the Bible app, or on, you know, on your Bible that's in your hand. Daniel, how did Daniel get Jeremiah? That's a pretty remarkable thing. Jeremiah and Daniel were contemporaries. Can I show that slide there that I brought? I have a, a graph here, just to let you guys know, kind of very simple. Isaiah was a big-time prophet prophesying to Israel, the ten tribes of Israel, who then get taken away by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. Okay, so Isaiah, bam, this is serious. Listen to God, turn to God. They don't listen. Samaria gets captured. They get deported. Jeremiah comes shortly after Isaiah. So we've got three big guys, right? Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. God is firing some big guns of warning to the people of Israel, the Jews. They're getting it all. This, these are the major prophets, contemporaries. Jeremiah preaches, and Daniel is one of the first people to be taken away to exile, and yet he gets the message. Is that cool? Someone texted him, hey, I heard this guy in the streets in Jerusalem, and he said this. They are really seeking the Lord. Daniel, a person who wants to see God's righteousness, finds out what Jeremiah is preaching about. And here's a quiz. Mike will give you the tickets to the ice cream store if you answer this question. Where's Mike, right? Where do we know from Jeremiah that the deportation, the destruction of Israel will last 70 years? In our church in Italy, we talk to each other a little bit. I don't know who dares to talk, right? That's okay. Where do we find that out? Jeremiah's most famous verse, for I know the plans I have for you, right? Jeremiah 29, 11. The next verse after that is where he says, and for 70 years, Israel will be in exile, okay? Right after that very famous verse. He also says it in Jeremiah 25, um, he says, after preaching for 23 years, poor Jeremiah, these prophets, they have to work, they talk, they talk, they talk, they warn, they warn, they warn, and he says, for 23 years I've been speaking to you. Turn now and the Lord will save you. When he says that, Daniel was already in captivity. So right at the same time. So God is actually fulfilling the words. Jeremiah's warning, watch out, it's going to happen. Like, it's not like in the future, mystical prophecies, right now, real, reality, it says, turn and God will have compassion. Isn't that amazing? God's righteousness offers Jerusalem 
a rescue as their demise is happening. If you would only repent now, I'll stop. Turn then and I will not harm you, says God. Otherwise, this whole company, country will become desolate wasteland and serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. Jeremiah is just laying it out there crystal clear at a time, but the people are not obeying. God says, I'm going to do it. I'm doing it, but you can still repent. God offers an amazing opportunity for that. It's sad when people try to live in a way that doesn't produce fruit for them. On the front of our church, it's kind of a funny thing. We rented a building a few years ago that had a mark on the wall up over the front door where the old sign was. And this, like, like the paint was faded. So I thought, well, we'll put our sign up in that same size, which is five times bigger than the average size of a sign. I would have never put a sign this big up, but we did it. And it's great. A Christian, Punta Luce, a Christian church. And then it talks about Jesus being the light of life. And so on that sign, we put a phone number. Guess whose phone number that is? That's my phone number, right? So I get a phone call every now and then. And I got a phone call in June from Francesco. He says, I need to talk to you, okay? Fine, I'll, see, I'll meet you at church. I mean, people looking for God, looking for something. And he meets me. And it's, I, as he, I open the door at the point in time, you know, in comes Francesco, um, an intimidating specimen. At least 220, bodybuilder, muscles galore, decorated with tattoos, coming in. Good to meet you, Francesco. And he says to me, I don't like who I am. I don't like who I've become. I've fallen into addictions, and addictions have led me to be an unlikable person. He didn't even like himself. And it's so sad that sin, so Israel lives in their sin. It's not like it's making life great. Jesus, or God sent Jeremiah to say, repent now, turn now, and I will stop. I will relent. It's a beautiful thing that God offers that in our day. You know, we are not living in Daniel's times. We're living post-Jesus times. Amazing. To have grace afforded to us is a wonderful thing. But Daniel is pretty specific about this. And he says, even in the days of Moses, you talked about this. Moses speaks to the people in Leviticus 26 and basically says, these are the laws of God, follow them, and if you don't, you will be led away into captivity. Wow. I mean, literally, Daniel prays again. No other nation has had their demise prophesied like this nation. What nation has this story. Only God has it. Leviticus 26, Moses says, this is the way, walk in it and live. Otherwise, this will happen. So what do you do with a warning like that? What, if you, what do you do with a warning like that? God says, follow me. Jesus says, I am the way. What a powerful message. I am the way. There is this way to live, to arrive at the Father in heaven. This is the life that I designed for you. It's not hidden. Today, it seems to be very masked, right? Now, it's like, let's just invent new ways. There's different ways. There's a million other ways. God's way is still as solid as it always was. Devil, the devil can't destroy that way, but it can put other options up. 
Now it seems like we live in a time when if we just vote in the right way, we can create a new righteousness. In Italy, we're going through a mega righteousness of save the environment, okay? And their thought is, well, if we recycle, we'll be a good, well, I'll be a good person. Okay, I've actually been in conversation with people struggling with uh, immorality, the difficulties of life, you know, uh, divorce, adultery, things like that. They're, that's their reality, but they recycle and they feel good about themselves. God is the one who decides. I'm not against recycling, and we recycle too, but <laughs> I'm against the idea of writing your own set of rules to make yourself feel good about yourself, okay? That's what, man, that's what idolatry is. I'll make the definition of God. I'll do those things, and therefore I'm a good person, okay? What are, what are God's laws? The sins that Israel suffered, here they are. They didn't observe the Sabbath, they oppressed the poor. They offered sacrifices to idols. They sought help from foreign powers. They rejected his laws. They took bribes. They practiced usury, immorality. They encouraged the Nazarites who promised not to drink wine, to honor God to drink wine. They shut down the voice of the prophets and they did not return to God. For years and years and years, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, the other prophets kept saying over and over, turn to the Lord, repent of your sins. And they didn't. The righteousness of God is seen that he offers a warning he, wait, he offers a way, he offers a warning, and he offers repentance. Oh, if we could all see his righteousness and come before him and say, you do doing the right thing, God. I want to walk in that way. I've repented my sins and turned to him. It's so amazing because the Lord is redemptive. The third thing, he's redemptive. What an amazing thing. So Daniel prays. He prays his prayer. Lord, we have sinned. Turn away your anger, Right? Punishment has come. God's wrath is poured out in a certain way on these sinners. Daniel says, the 70 years are almost up. Now, Lord, it's about time. Turn away your anger. There's a part that we didn't read yet. The part from verse 20 to the end of the chapter. So this talks about another kind of prophecy. So while Daniel's praying this prayer for the people, God ends the 70 years of captivity God sends Gabriel, the angel, to speak to him and reveal to him other information. And so I'll read verse 24. Seventy sevens are decreed for your people, for the holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness. So there will be an end to the punishment. There will be an atonement. That's a fantastic word, atonement. I hope that your Hebrew... Uh, class works on that for you guys a bit something that will make reconciliation for a wrong done don't we love it in our own lives when we can make atonement for what we've done wrong um, if i break something i'm so eager to fix it because i want it to be made right again you know to repair things 
there's this concept here of the sevens, right? So they're in captivity for 70 years. That's pretty solid. And that, that does get carried out in our graph. After 70 years, Cyrus issues a decree that they can go back and rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. But here we have this concept that comes on if we read the last, next part. Seventy sevens. When Cain killed his brother Abel, what was Cain's fear after God spoke to him? God was in conversation with Cain, and Cain says, Oh no, everybody will seek to take my life now. And God says, No, I'll protect you. I'll give you a sign. I'll make a mark or whatever we understand that to be. And if anybody harms you, I will avenge you seven times. Okay? So Cain is worried about his life. God says, no, there'll be a punishment for anybody that harms you. So God warns everybody, don't touch Cain. He'll suffer his own consequences. Okay? Cain does that. Cain has a descendant that happens years later, Lamech. Lamech is a guy who lives, has a couple wives, and he gets hurt by a young man. A young man injures him. So what does Lamech do? Lamech kills the young man. Okay? Cain's consequences are going on to the next generations. And Lamech is a boastful person who says, my goodness, I've killed this man, and if anybody harms me for doing it, I will avenge myself 70 times 7. Okay? These are the same words that we have in Daniel. In 77s will the atonement be made. Okay? We might think, oh, okay, in Daniel's time, from the decree to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple, will 77s, maybe that's like 490 years, Jesus will come, right? The atonement will happen. It's not quite exactly the right time. Jesus comes about 530 years after this. But what we see here is a link between sin and atonement. If the pride, sinful Lamech wants to be avenged 70 times 7, God says, I can even atone that kind of sin 70 times 7. Jesus comes to make atonement. As bad as we can be, as bad as sin can be, Jesus' atonement is sufficient for that. God is redemptive to heal. God wants to do that. So in his great mercy, we see this. We live in a day where we are told, or we can be instructed, encouraged, look to the scriptures. The scriptures will guide us. I hope that as you read Daniel, you read some complicated stories, you'll be able to put together God's whole plan. The Old Testament is so important. If you understand where he started, Canaan, um, Adam and Eve, right? Then he comes with Moses. He says, this is the way. Here's the law. But if you don't, there'll be trouble. Troubles happen through the kingdom of Israel. The time of sin will come to an end. Praise the Lord. God won't let it go on forever. If we think about other verses mentioned, what happens in the future? You know, what will, how will it end? God will put an end to sin. Okay, that is comfort. Oops, but I'm a sinner. He'll even cover my sin. We know God is great, God is right, and God is redemptive. We can live in peace because of that. And we can encourage others to step into that kind of relationship with God. If we have experienced it, God is saying, carry it forth. Daniel knew God well. Daniel was faithful in what he did. And when he heard about this redemption coming, he sought prayer in prayer and petition for others. I would like you to, I'd like to encourage you to experience these aspects of God through this scripture. Next week, come back. 
assemble yourselves to worship this great God because he's great, he's awesome. No matter what your story is, those things don't ever change. But then he enters your story through redemption. And because of that, I would like to encourage you to pray for someone that doesn't know Jesus yet. Pray for them. Be an instrument like Daniel was, on your knees, praying, Lord, save these people. We pray in Italy. I pray for my soccer friends, for Roberto. Will Roberto leave his sinful soccer ways and come to Jesus? That is my prayer. What other better thing is there in life? Nothing satisfies but this right, this righteous God that we know. May that be your, your heart's song and your heart's prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to pray for the people of Anchorage today. I want to pray for the friends of the people of this church. Clearwater friends are blessed because they know somebody that knows Jesus. And as they walk together in work, in the hospital, uh, in the neighborhoods, on the tennis courts, or wherever they do, Lord, I God, I ask that the light of Jesus will shine through my brothers and sisters here today to make an impact. And Lord, I also want to pray for Italy, that the efforts there through our ministries would, would be a light to the nations, that Francesco, who can't stand himself because of what he's become because of sin, would find a redemptive God that washes away evil. What a glorious story. Has there ever been a story of a God like you who would come to earth and walk this path and say, this is a way, follow me. I will be your righteousness. Thank you, Jesus. Bless us all, we pray. 